Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sponsor of the NFL, betting sponsor of the NFL, excuse me. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. He is RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What's up, RJ? How's it going, Stats? Welcome to week five, my favorite week of the NFL season, uh, just because it's the current one, not because I like five more than any other. Uh, it's a great time. It's a great day to be alive, always to be with you, to see your beautiful, bright, shining face, to hear uh, to hear the melodies of your beautiful baritone voice, uh, to talk about some great football that's going to be played, uh, to just, just talk in general. I mean, you know, we're two pals, two people. Look at us talking about football. Two pals? Uh, Are we doing the pals. show in 1950? I think we're pals. I think pals is, is terminology that's not used often enough. In fact, I have another pal who's joining us shortly. And so I'm surrounded by pals here today, and I'm excited about that. If you're new to the show, here's what we do. We take a deep dive into the four biggest games of the week, and then we hit every other game on Sunday in a lightning round. So we'll talk about every game except for the Monday night football game. Uh, before we get started, want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show. If you're already subscribed, that is awesome. But if you could just take 20 seconds, drop us a rating and a review. It's a little thing that you can do. It is a big thing for us. It makes a big, big difference. All right, RJ. We got some great games this week, and normally I have to go through the schedule and pick the biggest four. Well, today it was pretty easy because the first game on the schedule is one of the games we're going to take a deep dive into, and that is Rams and Seahawks. And in order to do that, we're going to bring in our friend Kenny Arthur from Turf Show Times. Going to talk about the Rams for us. Good morning, Kenny. We appreciate you waking up for us. Come on in, Kenny. (laughs) Good morning from, uh, well, today I've got rainy Los Angeles, but good morning. So... I just wanted people to know, like, the life that Kenny lives, you know? He's Mm. talking about the Rams. He's interviewing Mina Kimes. You know, like, you live a lavish, extravagant lifestyle. It's good to be Kenny Arthur. This is true. It is very good. Yeah, you know, uh, I want everyone out there to know that uh, I'm living the full Hollywood life. I was on TV uh, before, so uh, don't, uh, you know, get it twisted. I'm out there. Also, don't don't undersell who you are, Kenny. Um, you and I, I've been trying to have an opportunity to like talk about this forever. Stats keeps poo-pooing all of the Survivor talk. Shout out to BLG uh, on the podcast. <laughs> Kenny and I, Stats, have podcasted before about the great game that is Survivor. So we will outwit you. We will outplay you. Uh, we will outlast you. I don't know how we'll get through those portions of the final tribal council. That's still a, a mystery to me, Kenny, how they're broken up into the different sections like that. Uh, but 
I there's no spoilers here because Kenny actually hasn't seen this week's episode. A demerit that I have to give you, Kenny. Uh, but uh, but still, uh, it's it's great to be in proper company. Um, soon enough, the tribe will speak and get rid of stats. Can we talk about wait. actual football, please? This is a football show, is it not? I'm I'm not into the Survivor, the fake reality television. How dare you? How dare you? They're really out there. It's real. <laughs> yeah, it's real. All right. Anyway, let's go football here. Uh, the Rams are coming off a loss last week to the Cardinals, and some people are saying like, "Oh, the Cardinals really whooped them." And I watched that game, Kenny. To me. The only reason the Rams lost is not because they played that much worse than they normally play. It's because Sean McVay took the ball out of their hands on fourth down and started kicking field goals again and again and again. Am I wrong about that? Um, I would never tell you you're wrong. That's not in my place. Uh, you know, I think that's uh, something maybe RJ can step in there to tell you you're wrong. But for me, I think, listen, uh, the Rams don't have the defense. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone has the defense to stop Kyler Murray right now. And that's going to be an issue for a lot of teams. So this NFL, the Rams scored 20 points and uh, seven of those points came in garbage time. Uh, so the Rams scored 13 points against the Cardinals. So if I'm breaking down the game, um, yeah, you know, I know there's like aggressiveness and there's fourth downs and field goals and uh, analytics and all these uh, great things that maybe help the game a little bit. But uh, for me, I'm just a very simple old school guy. I don't, you know, very, maybe it's just for me. I'm just like, yeah, they didn't score enough points. So uh, the Rams were never really in the game in the second half and the, they don't have the defense to keep up with a lot of uh, quarterbacks, but especially not Kyler Murray. So uh, that would be the biggest thing is that the Rams just weren't putting the ball in the end zone like they did over the first three weeks. Kenny, I'll be honest with you. Uh, last week's loss was troubling for me for the Rams. However, I still find them to be the favorite in the NFC West. I know the Cardinals beat them and are undefeated. Uh, but the Rams have a mixture to me of having been there, having done that, have some talent, have the best head coach. Uh, clearly don't have the best quarterback. They just have a, a bit of a coward for a head coach, uh, as has <laughs> been discussed on, on the Espionation NFL show. But And that's why like, I think tonight's this opportunity to, you know, get back on track right the ship so to speak because i think there's there's an a sizable gap between the top two teams in this division and the bottom two teams and stats i'm really sorry but it's arizona and la and then there's this like wide epic beach size gap where you can live uh on survivor stats between them <laughs> and the 49ers and the seahawks i don't think the Seahawks. i know there's this weird like mysterious relationship between the the teams where one beats up on the other the other beats up on the other but still i mean i this is a game that the Rams have to win to, I think, in order to reestablish that that same or that level of, you know, normalness that we we kind of want to live in here. I mean, I think that uh, definitely the, the Rams are the best team in the division. I don't uh, worry as much about that. I do think uh, there is a potential here for uh, L.A. to have a bigger problem than anybody had really estimated on defense. And that was been... Uh, I think shown by giving up over 900 yards in the last two weeks. I and mean, again, this NFL, uh, I believe, I heard somebody say Warren Sapp or somebody, but like, you got to score 35 points. I mean, that's just it. You got to score 35 points. So giving up the defense part of it and just saying like, okay, maybe the Rams just don't have that good of a defense. So they have such a good offense there now with Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. But I do think that uh, 
the Seahawks can be a little bit closer to the top two, maybe just because the Rams don't have a lot going on between Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I really don't think there's that much going on between those two players right now, other than maybe some other players to look out for be uh, Jordan Fuller, the free safety uh, defensive tackle, Sebastian Joseph day. Uh, these are probably two of the better players. And then Darius Williams, the cornerback, but weakness, 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 uh, week after week, it feels like if we're talking about uh, the linebacker situation with Kenny Young and Troy reader, if we're talking about, you know, some of the coverage issues of Taylor Rapp, uh, the safety and some of the issues for the new cornerback, uh, David Long, who had to step in and replace Troy Hill. And the Rams lost John Johnson as well in free agency. Both of those guys went to the Browns. And it takes a while for secondaries to get continuity and to really feel that chemistry with one another. And that is not happening. Uh, so, you know, it would be of no surprise if the Seahawks were moving the ball against that defense as well as the Cardinals did. And then all of a sudden, the Rams, the best team in the division, would be in third place tonight. Seattle hasn't scored more than 20 points in any of their last three meetings against the Rams. RJ mentioned it. The Rams own Seattle. Seattle owns San Francisco, and San Francisco owns the Rams. So what is it that L.A. does that gives the Seahawks so many problems? First of all, how nice for the Arizona Cardinals that they that maybe this is why they're so successful. Nobody talks about them. And you just it's like, oh, there's three teams in this division. And then all of a sudden the Cardinals are going to go 15 and two. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the the Rams, the, it's Aaron Donald. I mean, it's Aaron Donald. The, the, the Rams, I think this isn't enough games because it's they're like 10 and four against the Seahawks with Aaron Donald. So, wow. uh that's really when everything stopped working for Pete Carroll against the Rams. Not even just that. It's kind of when everything stopped working for Pete Carroll in the NFL. I mean, the Seahawks do go to the playoffs every year, but it hasn't really been since obviously 2014 that they've gotten past the second round. Aaron Donald entered the NFL in, in 2014 and all of a sudden the Seahawks weren't going 13 and three or 12 and four. They were going 10 and six, 11 yep. and five. You know, this is, this doesn't give you a home game at the right time in the playoffs. And I really just think, like, they don't have any answer for Aaron Donald, who has dominated the Seahawks. And then Sean McVay, ab absolutely, is coming in in 2017. I think he's 6-3 and three against the Seahawks. So it, it really does feel like uh, having that pressure on Russell Wilson took out the, the strength of Seattle, of course. And when you look at Seattle's roster right now, for me, I would look at it and go like, okay, yeah, yeah. Russell Wilson's a really good player. DK Metcalf's a really good player. Tyler Lockett's a really good player. Bobby Wagner's a really good player. Jamal Adams is a really good player. And then all of a sudden, they didn't they didn't get anything else going. So uh, when you take those shots, I, I would say the Rams have just done a better shot job of taking those shots by using their picks to get Stafford and Ramsey as opposed to Jamal Adams. Yeah, I think to me, the Seahawks feel like um you ever buy an album because like all your friends buy it because you've heard like three songs and then you listen to the whole thing and you're like this sucks you're like i shouldn't have wasted money on this like i, I just <laughs> needed the the three the three songs or whatever that's what the, like they're i wouldn't say they're top heavy but they have like five players that we're all really enthused by but they don't have you know really any depth beyond that and so that's why like i don't i don't see them competing here i know that they came back and, and beat San Francisco or, or that they beat San Francisco in general. But I mean, stats you talked about on the oddcast. I mean, that offense was sputtering and 
again, I don't think that the Rams are as bad as the 49ers. I don't think the Rams are going to allow the Seahawks to stay in the game if things aren't working for them offensively. So I just, I don't, I don't know that I think this is a blowout because primetime games are like all glorious this year. Uh, but I, I think the Rams went handily here. I'm, I'm not concerned about the Seahawks for the Rams, to be honest. Well, Kenny, let's put it to you then. The Seahawks are getting two and a half points. Where do you go on this one? I think that um, everybody knows by now that Thursday night games are funky, hard to predict, right? Like really uh, difficult. You know, I wrote something on Turf Show Times that went up this morning that was just, this is my only prediction, points. I mean, that's it, like points. Like neither of these teams have a defense. Both of these teams have a top 10 quarterback. Um, they have weapons. They don't have cornerbacks outside of Jalen Ramsey. And they don't have, a, I mean, the Rams don't really have a pass rush, in my opinion, outside of Aaron Donald. And it, this is one of the things that I think are crazy about stats. And you really have to watch the games because Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd have both have 11 pressures. I was just looking at it. And it's like, I just think Aaron Donald has 22 pressures and <laughs> you know, that's it. You know, this has nothing to do with Leonard Floyd. I watch Leonard Floyd every week. It's not that good. I don't know where the four year, $54 million contract <laughs> came from, but you know, that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. But this Rams team doesn't provide any sort of pressure outside of Aaron Donald. It was as soon as you get those go get those guys like Kyler Murray that can literally just move around and wait until a guy gets open or run through you, that's all that the teams have to do. So Russell Wilson, uh, we did see that one play against the 49ers last week where it looked like uh, sort of maybe that vintage Russell Wilson and he escaped the pocket. But I haven't seen if whether or not he can do that regularly. Um, I do think that the Rams are the more talented team, of course, obviously, and that they have their number of uh, against the Seahawks. But that's almost that's almost like just reverse karma in some way. You know, all those years the Seahawks were better than the Rams, and then all of a sudden the Rams would come in and beat the Seahawks. It just kind of feels like maybe that's the kind of trap game that the Rams are facing. Kenny Arthur from Turf Show Times, thank you very much for hopping on and waking oh, up for I'm picking us. picking the Rams, just in case any Rams fans out there are getting mad at me. <laughs> I picked the Rams. I mean, Nope, too uh, late. You know. Gotta go, Kenny. Sorry. <laughs> Kenny, you're the best. Thank you. Kenny Arthur from Turf Show Times. Where are you going, RJ, in this one? I'm taking the Rams. Like I said, I don't think that – I'm sorry, Stats. I don't think good teams allow the Seahawks to do what they did to them last week. And I, I, don't, I, I think the Rams are a good team. And so – I, and I don't I don't think the 49ers are a bad team. I think the 49ers don't are, try um, and save it now. You hate the 49ers. We all know. I just think that the 49ers are insisting on doing some dumb things. And the Rams outside of their own cowardice generally <laughs> don't do those things. And so I have a hard time seeing, you know, what it kind of feels like to me. Um, have you ever seen the third Mighty Ducks movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, so the plot is they, they go to, I don't know if it's like a high school or like a college or like a prep school, but, and they, they're, you know, the ducks are there and they, they have to like acclimate to the type of hockey that's played at this school, whatever. Um, and they think they're all awesome because they're the ducks, whatever. And they, they play a scrimmage against them and they just get their like teeth kicked in because, you know, they don't know how to play like fundamental hockey and their coach, who's not Gordon Bombay here, he's ripping Charlie Conway, the captain. And he tells them because they try to do the flying V and the other team just like storms through it. And the coach is telling him, he says, your little duck tricks won't work here. And um, this isn't the peewees. Your little duck tricks are not going to work at this level. That's how I feel like Russell Wilson's like 
super stupid, amazing play last week is like his little duck trick. You know what I mean? And it doesn't work against teams like the Rams. Maybe. I mean, it seems to work against everybody else. How much different does this season feel for the Rams, right? If they win this game, it's like, okay, you know, they lost to the Cardinals, but they're still really good. They're four and one. Things are okay for the Rams. It's working out the way we thought. But if they lose this game, then they're three and two with two losses in the NFC West. And then people are like, wait a minute, maybe Matt Stafford wasn't all that was holding the Rams back from when, like, I just feel like the feeling on the Rams is going to vary drastically just based on the outcome of this one game. I agree with you. And that's interesting to consider. So for the theater of it all, I'm kind of rooting for the Seahawks. Cause I also think we've also written the Seahawks off. Like I kind of did a little while ago and I think the Seahawks and 49ers are in this like pushy sort of place. This is a really fun back-to-back week situation for the NFC West. Yeah. And it, it is going to separate who's for real, who's not. Um, it would be interesting if all four teams walked away with a win in this two-week stretch. Uh, and so I like I think whoever whoever's 0-2 in this two-week stretch might be the true and total loser at the end of the season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of that Niners-Cardinals game, that's our next deep dive. The Cardinals, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, are giving five and a half points in this one, RJ. Vegas thinks the Cardinals are going to whoop them. Yeah, dude, because it's hard not to think that. I'm I'm sorry, Stats. I mean, I love you, and I want you to be happy, <laughs> and I want you to feel joy and, and happiness and pride and experience prosperity in, in all aspects and elements of life. But, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, Stats, is really seriously relying on the, well, I'm going to make them prepare for Jimmy Garoppolo move. And, like, I'm sorry. I'm out. I just – I can't. I can't believe this. I can't believe what Kyle Shanahan's doing. Stats, even Matt Nagy has understood the inevitable here with Justin Fields. And so I'm, I just, I I need to see it at this point. People, I don't want to say people like you, but people like you have hyped this dude up. Kyle Shanahan is this genius, this amazing guy. You and BLG had a great conversation about that on, on the podcast this week. And I don't see it. I think Kyle Shanahan has been, a bottom 10 coach this season. And until I see anything beyond that, I'm going to pick the Cardinals and actually pick them to cover. I don't think that San Francisco has the horses to go shot for shot here. You're not wrong about Shanahan this season. He has been flat out bad. My faith in Kyle Shanahan right now is as shaken as it has ever been in his tenure with the 49ers, which began in 2017. And I've said it on Niners Nation podcasts, and I will say it here and anywhere I get in front of a microphone. If Kyle Shanahan does not start Trey Lance this week, against the Cardinals, he can't be the coach of this team anymore because it shows that he is failing at the most important aspect of being a head coach, RJ. And it's not X's and O's. It's management. Head coach is a management position. And if Kyle Shanahan cannot see that everything that the 49ers do from this point in the next four years has to be 
to increase and improve and facilitate the development of Trey Lance, he can't be the guy I trust to to lead our franchise into the future. He just can't. He got handed the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Because they kept Jimmy Garoppolo, so they created this weird situation where they probably should go with Lance, but the locker room supports Jimmy because they've won so many games with him, and that was a whole dicey situation. Well, he got the get-out-of-jail-free card because Jimmy's hurt. Or hurt, I should say, air quotes. He doesn't have that anymore. No one's going to be giving him the side eye in the locker room if he decides to go with Trey Lance. Now, I think he's playing that stupid game of we're going to make you prepare, like you said, for two quarterbacks. I think his plan is to go with Trey Lance. But if for some reason he does not, that is it. I am out on Kyle Shanahan, and he clearly he just doesn't get it at that point. I can't say I blame you. Um, I mean, I, I, I actually really believe it bothers him that Jimmy – <laughs> you know, was forthcoming with information that Jim, you know, because I, I, I think coaches are anal and I think coaches are weird. And I think Kyle Shanahan's like, you did it. You know, <laughs> like we were going to make them prepared for both of you. You know, like, like as if, you know, as if the Cardinals defense is, is out on the practice field today and like, oh man, what do we do? <laughs> like, you know, like, do we, do we practice this play or this play? Right. Because, you know, what if it's Jimmy? Nobody is threatened by Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, gosh, that's man. it. Like, it's the. I'm sorry. I'm I'm picking Arizona. I'm picking against the Niners from now until I don't know when. But I I don't have any reason. Debo Samuel is the only reason to believe in the 49ers or not. That's it. That's the only. And Nick Bosa. They're the only redeeming qualities on this team. Other than that, I'm totally out. You're 100% right on, like, no defensive coordinator is losing a second of sleep because he might have to face Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, this just in. Put guys in the middle of the field, and then you're good. Like, that's it. That's how you beat Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not very difficult. And, you know, everyone loves to say, well, they won a lot of games with Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, it depends when you look. Because if you take it from the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo has basically been like a 500 quarterback with the 49ers. So he doesn't even really have that feather in his cap anymore i think this game's going to come down to the rushing attack believe it or not rj last week for arizona chase edmonds was awesome 120 yards on 12 carries really helped and james keep... connor was selfish right touchdown vulture james connor <laughs> um but it really helped arizona stay in front of the chains and keep the offense on schedule and the same thing with the 49ers don't forget the 49ers beat the Cardinals last year when the Cardinals were playing for their playoff lives and San Francisco started C.J. Beathard. How did they do it? It's because they ran for over 200 yards in the game with Jeff Wilson and company. So if the 49ers are going to win, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. Elijah Mitchell should be coming back from injury for the 49ers. That'll be good. Trey Sermon hopefully will be able to get going. I think if Lance does start, they'll be able to do a lot more creative things in the run game. So there's a path to victory for the 49ers. Honestly, I think I'll take the points and the Niners in this game, but I think that Arizona is going to win straight up. What if San Francisco loses? I mean, what's the panic level? You were talking about the Rams a minute ago, you know, like if they lose. I mean, is the season getting away from the Niners? If they lose, if they fall below 500? Yes. Uh, if the if they lose this game, the rest of this season is just about the development of Trey Lance. That is it. I mean, it just is what it is. The Cardinals at that point would be five and zero in the West. The Niners would be trailing them. The Rams, the Seahawks, like Cardinals would be two and zero in the West too. Specifically, on top of that, with a win right. in hand against the 49ers, right? So, I mean, th they would shift. That's why this is not a normal Week Five game. This is like, who are the 49ers? Are they going to be a team that can fight for a playoff spot, or are they going to be a team that you know? 
had to tra- trade it up to uh, take a quarterback and did that for a reason because they are fundamentally flawed and not good enough to compete in the NFC. And to that point, right? Like, you know, um, we all like we all save things for certain moments, right? It's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm saving this this last you know bottle of scotch for like a celebration <laughs> or whatever. I'm saving this particular you know whatever. I don't know. We all save things for certain reasons. And Kyle Shanahan, this is not a normal Week Five game. It's my my boy stats just lined up. <laughs> so this is it. <laughs> like like there's there's not another moment. Like if you're waiting to play some like trump card of Trey Lance that you, you went to the Poconos and studied every quarterback in the class and you came away thinking this is the guy, Yep. then then this has to be the guy's moment. Like th- this has to be, th- you, you have to, if you're not going to go down with your guy, what is the point of even getting the guy is, is my line of thought. And so um, this, I, I dare to say that the, the balance of the 49ers, like as a, as an overall franchise, does hang in the balance of this game. I know that's dramatic, but it's true. And what a nice feather in the cap of Kyle Shanahan it would be if he can get Trey Lance to come out and play well when all anybody said was, look at all the rookies in this class. They're all struggling. Well, if Kyle Shanahan comes out and is like, hey, look at my guy. I am an offensive genius. Look at all the cool stuff we're doing. Like, I think there's a little bit of that from Kyle. Like, I think he likes the love that he gets from everybody. This is the most adversity he's ever faced as the 49ers head coach. You know, 2017, they came out, they were 0-9, but they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. He got in. They won the rest of the year, right? So it was like, okay, they started out bad, but now they got their quarterback. Things are good. 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt in week three, so he basically got a pass for that season. 2019, they go to the Super Bowl. He's getting all sorts of love. And last year, they had injuries unlike anything I've seen in a decade plus watching, you know, injuries around the NFL. So he sort of got a pass, but also like the honeymoon is kind of over now because it's year five and nobody gets four, you know, eventually you have to start winning. So this is it for Kyle. Now he's got his quarterback. He's got his team. They have some injuries, but it's not like crazy, especially on offense. They're, they're relatively healthy. So we've got to see it now. That's it. Cardinals, take the points. Easy money. All right, let's shift over to the AFC West now. Let's go. Bills at the Chiefs, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, Kansas City giving two and a half in this game. And I'm sorry, RJ. I don't think we know a damn thing about the Bills. Look at who the Bills have played on their schedule. How can we make any definitive statements about how good Buffalo is? They have played the Steelers, which they lost in week one. They've played the Dolphins, Washington, and the Texans. Can you say for sure that you know that the Bills are, you know, similar to the team we saw in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs last year? So, I get that. And I was very upset with my Bills losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your the biggest Bills? frauds. And I've been on the Bills wagon for a long time. I mean, you know, the Bills needed a, a voice here on the SB Nation NFL show, and I'm willing to carry that torch. Uh, so the Bills are the Bills are my AFC team. Let's be clear. We all have like an NFC AFC. You know, we're all in that situation. So I'm down to ride with the Bills. Yeah, stats, chill out. You know, I know you're ornery because the 49ers are going to get blasted on Sunday. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you're right. It's it's difficult to like throw bouquets of roses at the Bills' feet here. However, they have pitched two shutouts in their last three games, as BLG noted. That is a difficult thing to do, regardless of competition. They are the number one team in overall DVOA. They are one of the best teams at this particular point of the season that DVOA has ever measured and calculated, which does weed out and adjust for a quality of competition. 
they have the NFL's best defensive EPA per play allowed. I mean, they are legit. And have they played, you know, amazing offenses? No, but I or uh, yeah, amazing offenses. But I would say that I'm I'm more certain of that than I am the other side of this game because I, you know, I honestly, arguably think that Buffalo's offense with Kansas City's is a wash at this point in time. Kansas City has struggled offensively, except for against Philadelphia last week, and Philadelphia's defense is terrible. Sorry, Philadelphia. Kansas City's defense is terrible. I mean, Kansas City allowed Philadelphia to score up and down them at different times last week. And so, I mean, if if we say that the Bills and Chiefs offenses are a wash, I just think that that Bills defense is going to win more often than the Chiefs is. And I also think that that's going to lead to Patrick Mahomes trying to superhero his way out of games like he tried to do against the Chargers and pull off some things. And the Bills aren't a team you can take those chances against. The Bills are not a team that are going to fall for those little duck tricks anymore. I think the Bills are going to – I think this is a statement game for the Bills. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win with some authority, not like they're going to crush them, but I think it's going to be in hand with a little bit of time left, and I think we're going to get some some shots of the Chiefs on the sideline, you know, kind of wondering, and Al Michaels is going to be pontificating, like, where does Andy Reid go from here? They have two losses at Arrowhead before, you know, the middle of October, and I think people are going to be starting to ask themselves some questions about the Chiefs. I just get a vibe from Kansas City that they think they're too cool for school. Like, really, I, oh, dude, totally. It 100%. just, I don't know what it is. You know, like when I saw Patrick Mahomes throw that stupid no-look pass to a guy that was wide open in the middle of the field that was off target and resulted in an interception against the Chargers. Like, I, it's just bad juju for Kansas City. And I know that Mahomes is amazing, and he is. We all know that. We don't need to wax poetic about Patrick Mahomes. But there is a difficulty in climbing the mountain again and again and again. It's really freaking hard to do. It kind of reminds me of Rocky, too, since we're making old movie references. You know, they're talking about Clubber Lang and, and Mickey's telling Rocky that he's he's hungry. He's like, you haven't been hungry since you won that belt. That wasn't a good Burgess Meredith impression, but you know what I mean. Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. Other teams have that drive to get to the top of the mountain, to get to the AFC Championship game, to get to the Super Bowl. Does Kansas City have that same amount now after doing it year after year after year? I don't know, and I think it's fair to ask. Yeah, I also I think to your point, I think there's also a factor of like, we want what you have, right? So we're going to take it from you. And I think yep. that the Bills are, are in that, that camp here. I totally agree with you, you know, on the Chiefs and bad. Look, they beat the Eagles. Okay, great. You know, you know what? I mean, like, I'm just being objective here, and I think you would agree. You know what good teams do against the Eagles? They thrash them. That's that's what good teams do against teams like the Eagles. That's what the Cowboys do. I mean, the Chiefs kind of barely beat the Eagles. Yeah, they 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 had Ty, the Tyree go off play at the end, but the Josh Gordon thing, and like all week long, all I've been seeing is like Josh Gordon could play. Like why 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 is Kansas City doing this? I mean, all the best, Josh Gordon, and his personal uh, goals, personal life, and and personal uh, return here, but. I don't, this to me feels like a weird variable to inject into this team. And I just, I don't, I don't, I no longer trust the Chiefs. They, they used to have this sort of implicit trust. They don't have that for me anymore. This is sort of the weird thing. If you're Kansas City, why are you going after and getting Josh Gordon and not Stefan Gilmore, right? Or, like, even, or even Richard Sherman. I mean, if you're going right. to go down this path, right, totally agree. And maybe they, they tried to get Sherman and he didn't want to go, whatever. But like, look at what, Carolina traded to get Stefan Gilmore, a sixth round pick in 2023, not even next year's draft, the year after. 
That seems weird to me. Clearly, the problem in Kansas City is the defense, right? And you don't need you don't need them to be like stone cold stoppers. You just need an average defense from Kansas City, and they'll be okay because Mahomes is a wizard. So wh- maybe New England didn't want to trade him in the AFC. Maybe you know that's entirely possible. But I feel like if you made a good enough offer, you know, is New England going to turn down a fourth round pick if the best they could get is a sixth round pick? Like I don't know. So to me, it just seems weird that they went the offensive route there instead of the defensive route if you're going to add anybody. And by the way, I don't think that Josh Gordon is going to make a hell of a lot of difference in Kansas City. He might have a play here or there, but he hasn't been a reliable player in almost a decade. So I got to see it to believe it with Josh Gordon. Me too, but I I just don't trust the Chiefs, man. I really don't. I mean, I... This, I, I, I mean, we've both kind of said this. This has felt like the season where all those cute little records, you know, and cute little awards kind of fall away. Like, and it, it happened, right? Patrick Mahomes never lost in September, never thrown an interception <laughs> in September. Like, all, all those little things. I mean, to be clear, you're right. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. Patrick Mahomes achieved these unbelievable highs so early in his NFL career. Like, you know, just to do them in general, but let alone that early in his career. And it just feels like, you know, like I, I could see a tweet, you know, from like, you know, ESPN stats and info after the Bills beat them. And it's like, this is the first time that the Chiefs have been under 500 twice within the same month. You know what I mean? Like some, something weird like that, because that's that's what they're on track for. Like, I don't I don't think that the Chiefs rise to the, the, the occasion or the challenge. I think the Chiefs just want you to bend to that. I think the Chiefs expect that because they've gotten that from some teams before. But this is a team that not just this year, we've talked about this many times, last year played in nine one-possession games. I mean, they live on the edge. And if you live on the edge against bad teams like the Eagles, yeah, you'll win in the end of the game. But if you live on the edge against good teams, if you live on the edge against great defenses, that's not going to work for you. I don't think that Buffalo loses this game. The margin is so slim. I mean, no, Kansas City's favorite anyway. I mean, I'll take Buffalo. I'll take Buffalo and, and feel really, really, really good about it. Yeah, I have to agree. I'll take Buffalo. When it's a toss-up game like this and I'm getting points, I always feel good about that. I know it doesn't always work out, but I'll take them and take the points. Let's get to the other AFC West team I want to talk about here. The Browns going to L.A. to take on the Chargers. The Chargers are giving two points in this game, RJ. And the biggest thing that jumps out to me is the Chargers, if they win, can stake their claim to being the best team in the AFC. Like, And I think it's pretty clear, right? Because if they win, they will have beaten the Browns. They will have beaten the Raiders. They will have beaten the Chiefs. And next week, they play Baltimore. So, like, the Chargers can be like, hey, guess what? Everybody else in this conference, you're looking up at us because we're knocking you all down. They really can. And so they're on bye after that. You know, a, a much deserved bye, <laughs> by the way, for the Chargers. By the way, Stats, next week there are buys already. Like that kind of yeah. sneaks up on you when that happens. But um, but after their bye, I wanted to get to this for a reason. After their bye, the Chargers have the Patriots, the Eagles on the road, the Vikings, so, you know, cross country, whatever. Um, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Broncos. These are six, seven games in a row for them. I mean, they have the Patriots, Eagles, Vikings, Steelers, Broncos, Bengals, Giants. Their next difficult game after next week is week 15 against the Chiefs. That's a Thursday night game, by the way. It's going to be glorious. And so this if I'm Brandon Staley, it's just, you know, guys, just hang on just a little bit. Just just hang on just a little bit longer. I mean, we're, we're, we're going through this gauntlet and we're doing it unscathed right now, except for the fact that we lost to the best team in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you know, <laughs> we 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 can do this together. And I I don't want to say that there is bad energy with the Browns right now, but the morning we're we're streaming this, recording this, there is a report that Baker Mayfield. What was it exactly? Stats the the shoulder ailment that he has uh, going on? Partially torn labrum in his left shoulder. 
yeah, and he's going to play through this, and like, <laughs> that, that doesn't feel good. I, I just, and I know that the Browns' strength is their run game, and I know the Browns have had a lot of fun the last couple of weeks, but this Justin Herbert's a different animal, dude. I mean, he, he is, I mean, that's the difference here. I mean, th- this is a close game, and you mentioned it a moment ago, like, oh, in toss-up games, I'll always take the points. In close games, I will always take the better quarterback. And the difference between Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert, a healthy Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert, is already sizable, let alone a beaten up Baker Mayfield. So I will take the Chargers here, and I'm with you. I think that, I mean, the Chargers are starting to get a lot of pomp and circumstance. I do think that we kind of started that train here on the SB Nation NFL show, but it's getting, you know, on a national level now. And that's really fun and really exciting. And I, I think the Chargers win, and I think the party keeps going for them. First of all, the fact that this game is two and not three is huge. If you want to take the Chargers, get it now at two, because right. if it's three, that's a totally different bet. I will say about Cleveland, their defense is for real. Like they have a legitimate shot to slow down Justin Herbert. Every team the Browns have played this year, they've held to that team's season low in points. This defense is no joke. But the Chargers but- have Rashawn Slater. I mean, that dude is a baller, man. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean... I'm, I'm not saying you can ever neutralize the, the Cleveland pass rush or, you know, whatever, but if if there's an opportunity, it's not... And it's Justin Herbert getting rid of the ball quickly. I mean, this is the right formula, theoretically, on paper. Well, everything the Chargers did this offseason went into protecting Justin Herbert. Like I was talking about with the 49ers, right? That's what you have to do when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. Everything that you do has to be towards making that person as good as he can be. The Chargers seemingly have done that, and it's paying off for them right now. So we'll see what happens with Herbert and the pass rush of the Browns. Um, I do like that Joey Bosa was throwing shade after the game against the Raiders, like getting under the skin of Derek Carr. Like, I like a little swagger, you know? Like, you can't be out of control, but Joey Bosa's like, we're good. I know I'm good. I'm going to talk a little trash here, and I, I kind of liked it. I love everything about the Chargers right now. I mean, I know I said the Bills are my AFC team, and I, you know, I'm not somebody who jumps around like other people on the explanation in the show <laughs> when it comes to stuff like this. But um, every the Chargers, there's nothing that's not likable about them. I mean, they're they're fun, they're young, they're energetic, their uniforms, stadium, whatever. I get it. NFL, SoFi Stadium is a thing. Uh, but I mean, I I like this, and I like that we're seeing like different. You know, not that nobody knows who Joey Bosa is, but I like that we're seeing different character arcs. You know what I mean? Like they're just just like an interesting reality show. Uh, so I'm I'm excited. Go beat the Browns now. And I actually kind of want to see the Browns face some adversity. Like this season's been a little bit too easy for the Browns. You know what I mean? Like this this let's normalize what we're used to a little bit here. Cleveland, you know, and and on the other side of that, I mean, we've talked about like what if the Chargers win? If the Browns win, dude, holy crap! I mean, they're four and one. Um, and they beat the Chargers, and I mean, I think that they are already the favorites in the AFC North, but this would go a long way in, in terms of that conversation. We know the path to victory for the Browns, right? Run the ball. That That's clearly who they are. They know that's who they are, and the Chargers are 31st in DVOA against the run, RJ, so there may be some room there for Cleveland to move the ball. It's I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I, I really like what you said about if it's if it's a toss-up, take the better quarterback. And I don't think – I think Baker's pretty good, but Herbert is – he's on another level. Like, I know that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, but, I mean, Herbert may already be in the top five. Who's your top five right now? Because we have to say that now. Off the top of my head, I think I go Mahomes. I go Russell Wilson. I really forgot how good Dak Prescott is. He's really freaking good. Welcome to the brigade. Um, 
I might have to put Dak. I might have to put Dak in the top five. I'm not putting Josh Allen there. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Dak is easily in the top five. This like what if or whatever. It's silly, but okay. <laughs> Aaron so Rodgers, three. obviously. I'm not putting Josh Allen there because I need to see it for another week. Um, it's Herbert. I think I'll. Yeah, yeah. I might take out Russell for Josh Allen. I mean, no. like, I know, this, I, know, I know this season hasn't really justified that idea, but, you know, I've been a big Josh Allen believer. And again, the Bills are performing well. I know it hasn't been a great start to the season for Josh Allen. Russell's still amazing. But I think Ru- Russell's the last one to me. Russell's number five. Like, Ru- Russell's the, the easiest one to pull out of that club is my point. All right. Well, so that is our deep dive into all four games of the week. There is only one thing left to do, RJ, and I know you know what it is. The lightning round. (laughs) That is the best slash worst lightning sound effect I have ever heard. The lightning round. All right, let's start. Jets at the Falcons. Atlanta is giving three points. Dare I say, can the Jets build up a little momentum here with another win? Hi, cheerio, mate. We're in London now. Um, Way to bury the lead stats. This game happening across the pond. Who cares? Um, I won't touch this game at all um, from a you know monetary perspective, but I think the Falcons win. Um, I think they're just slightly less bad than the Jets. Man, like <laughs> we I, to be clear here, I love the United Kingdom. I love it all. They give us great television shows, the English Premier League, Harry Potter. Like it's all awesome. Why do we give them this? Like they love football <laughs> so much in you know, our American football. I mean, this is such a, a slap in the face to give them Jets Falcons. And I respect the hell out of them that they're like getting hyped and having watch parties and there and, you know, hanging out and whatnot. I mean, this is just this is mean. This feels purposeful. Like, I just you know how we always like, man, it's amazing. The NFL schedule makers like line right. this particular <laughs> drama. Up. Like, I kind of believe that they did this on purpose to some degree. And it's like, this was never supposed to be a good game. It's not like, oh, well, the Jets had a really good player that got hurt, and now it doesn't look right. as good as it did when the schedule... Like, nope, this was always going to suck. And guess what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to suck again. I, I hope that Zach Wilson like starts to put it together, though. That's what I want to see. I want these all these rookie quarterbacks to be good. It's better for the NFL and for us as fans if there's more good quarterbacks in the league. So hopefully he starts to put it together. But uh, I will take the Falcons in this one and give the points. Matt Ryan is just, he's better than Zach Wilson right now. Next up, Packers go to Cincinnati. The Bengals are getting three points in this one. This is a sneaky, good offensive game. The over-under is 51 points, RJ. I'll take the under. I uh, I do a hit every week stats uh, in Australia to keep things international with my pal mm. Jimmy Smith. Uh, and he always asks me for my favorite line of the week. And this week it is the Green Bay Packers by three. I hate to admit that Aaron Rodgers is back, and uh, I don't think that they're like back, 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 um, but I do believe the Packers are really good. Uh, I think that they are potentially a little bit more limited now defensively with the acquisition of Jalen Smith, but that's a whole different subject. And I think the Bengals, I'm not ready to believe. I'm sorry. I, you know, you, you beat the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday Night Football, and Joe Burrow is awesome, but I'm still not ready to believe. I mean, Packers by three feels, feels easy to me. So I'll take the Packers, the points, and I'll feel really good about it. Yeah, I like Burrow, but I agree. Aaron Rodgers seems to be playing at a level that is just he's a unicorn. He's a freaking unicorn. This and, is one uh, of the sorry, Seth, this is one of the grossest uniform matchups that the NFL can conjure up, by the way. Like I hate this uniform matchup so much. 
Cincinnati just they just can't seem to get it right. Next up, Detroit goes to Minnesota. The Vikings are giving nine and a half points. On the one hand, RJ, I look at Minnesota and say, look, their three losses have come by a total of 11 points. They're really good. But at the same time, they're still losses. So I don't know what to do with Minnesota. Yeah, I, this is a, a rough place to be in here. I maintain, to your point, that they're not your standard one and three team. I think they're better than their record certainly indicates. Um, you could argue they could at least be two and two. I think you could argue they could be three and one. Like you can no longer argue they, that they should be undefeated. Like they should have lost the Browns game, like they did. <laughs> um, but I like nine and a half is a lot, dude. I mean, I think Minnesota wins, uh, but I will definitely take the points if I'm a Lions fan. It's interesting because I feel like everybody thought Dan Campbell and the Lions were going to be a disaster. And then they've they've hung tough in some games. They haven't been the disaster we thought. So people were kind of like, hey, maybe they're not so bad. But like now I feel like it's going back to our original thought that like the Lions aren't good. I've already seen, you know, on Pride of Detroit, our Detroit Lions community here at SB Nation, like they're already calling for the end of the Jared Goff experiment after this year. The Lions are who we thought. Minnesota, like you have to win. If you want to do anything with your season, you have to win this game. I'm going to take Minnesota and I think I'm going to pick them to cover RJ. I just think that they're, they're desperate, right? They got to be desperate at this point. Cousins is, is eons ahead of Jared Goff. So I'm going to take the Vikings and I will give the points. How many team stats would you say are worse than the Lions right now? Houston, um, Jacksonville. And geez, that might be it. You're missing two for me. Who? Both New York teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. We'll get don't worry, we'll get to one of the New York teams when we talk about your Cowboys later. Let's go. Broncos and Steelers. The Steelers are giving a point. I mean, I don't their offense, RJ, what is it? Like Ben Roethlisberger's talking about his injuries. He's also talking about how he's gotta be better. Like Things do not look good in Pittsburgh right now at all. Well, Stats, I uh, hate to say that I am awesome and super smart. Um, yeah, I can but, see how difficult it is for you. Uh, but I called this. You know, <laughs> this was super predictable. You know, I, I've, I say this all the time. A lot of teams try to just pick back up where they left off, and that's such a huge mistake. And as an example, I say all the time, for a long time, the Cowboys tried to pick back up at Lambeau Field where Des caught it. That's how they built their roster, as if they could pick back up and go, you know, punch that in and go to the NFC Championship game. And you can't do that. You have to, you have to climb the mountain all over again. And I would have thought that a coach like Mike Tomlin would have known that, obviously. I'm certainly not doubting him. He's well accomplished. But the Steelers built their roster that way this offseason, right? They, they they said, we'll just go back to when we were 11 and 0. Like that's, that's, we'll just fast <laughs> forward to that point and we'll be, we'll have Najee Harris. We'll be 11 and 0. We'll have Najee Harris. And that just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And so this team, it was so predictable that they would be awful offensively. Their defense is really good. And it's a shame that it's just going to be wasted another year. But yeah. there is, there is, and I say this understanding that Kyle Shanahan wants Jimmy Garoppolo to be a starting quarterback. There is no team that is more trapped by their starting quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. And it's not even all Ben, but Ben weighs it down significantly. Juju isn't good anymore. I mean, man, the Chiefs and Ravens really dodged a bullet there by, by Juju going elsewhere. I'm not saying I'd rather have Josh Gordon over Juju, but I think the Ravens specifically, the Ravens have good vibes, man, like all around. And just, this is, I, you know, I'm, I'm not mad about it. I, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to take the Broncos. I really, wow. I, I think everything is so bad. And I think Ooh. the Broncos are the paperiest, tigeriest paper tiger. But yep. the Steelers, like, this, 
we've seen this before with teams. This is the like, you know, if if you think it's bad moment, like <laughs> it can get worse. Like that happens to teams. Like you mentioned your 49ers last year, the Cowboys last year. It can always bottom out harder. And I think yes. that that's going to happen to Pittsburgh. There is no bottom to losing. Ask the Browns, ask the Lions. There is no bottom to losing, especially in the NFL. And, you know, I said this on the Oddcast earlier this year, like, hey, the Steelers are never terrible. When are we going to learn? Well, it could get terrible here this season, RJ. I might have been wrong about that. If they lose to Denver, next up they have Seattle, then they go to Cleveland, it could get ugly for Pittsburgh here if they don't win this game. And you're right, like, the, I don't think the Broncos are anything special at all. But, man, I just – watching the Steelers' offense, it looks non-functional right now. And Denver at least has some playmakers on offense. I guess I'll take the Broncos because they're getting a point. Have you ever seen Tin Cup with, with yes. Olivia – with about about uh Roy McAvoy the golfer do you remember yes. that so anybody hasn't seen he's a golfer um uh, and there's a point where he loses his like he has the yips and do you remember the point stats where he has like all this um uh like gear on he's trying yeah. to like refine his swing that's what the Steelers are like they have you know what I mean they're like going like I like I could seriously see them like reading like elementary level books right now they're like football we just, for we dummies <laughs> yeah like you know we we need help we need help in some capacity uh so I, I will take that. I don't feel like positive about this, but like this is a right. coin flip game. And that it's that says more to me than anything about who Pittsburgh is right now. Miami goes to Tampa Bay to play the Super Bowl champs. The Bucks are giving 10 points in this game. And even though Tampa Bay has not really impressed me at all this season, the Dolphins have impressed me way, way less. So two is not going to play in this game. He's still banged up. I'm sorry. Like I'm I'm selling all of my Miami Dolphins stock. They had so much positive vibes going for them, but if they're not going to improve at quarterback, I just don't see it. I'm sorry. I think there's an argument to be made. I'm not going to make it today, to be clear. Uh, but I think there's an <laughs> argument to be made that the Dolphins are the most disappointing team in 2021. And I really, really, really think that they're skating by on that. Um, you know, like you mentioned, like Kyle Shanahan's like feet are kind of now being held to the fire. Like he's five, you know, years in or whatever. And that's not happening in Miami, but like, this was the thing, you know, and I know two is her and that's a, a legitimate outlier or, or that makes this a legitimate outlier. But I mean, you had your time, you had your project, like you, you gotta be good now, but yeah, Tampa's going to wipe the floor with them. I agree. I think that Brady and, and company are eventually going to get on track. I will take the Buccaneers, and honestly, I will give the points, even though that is a giant, giant spread. The Saints and the Washington football team are next, and I, you know, you pat yourself on the back earlier. Well, I'm doing it now. I predicted the Saints were not going to be very good. They're not very good. Their offense is 31st ranked in passing, RJ. They're averaging just 144 yards per game through the air. And, you know, all these people that said Jameis Winston was going to unlock the deep passing game for the for the Saints. Like, where are you at now? Awful quiet now. Turns out Jameis Winston is a pumpkin. Exactly what we thought he was going to be. And I know I, I will probably pick this pick them in this game, but the Saints are not very good. I'm picking them in this game, dude. Everything you said is applicable to Washington. And I have a lot of friends on the SB Nation NFL show who lied to themselves and said <laughs> this team was going to be good. And, you know, on and on and on. Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, they got, they got, who knows? You know, they well, he's awesome hurt. With, I mean, you know, who cares? I mean, 
Taylor Heineke's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm. I mean, you know, he it's just watch, RJ. You took a homework. Nah, eat it. <laughs> I'll take the Saints, although I don't feel great. But I will say I will I'll say this. I will not be stunned if Washington wins this game just because New Orleans is that bad. Yeah, exactly. Philadelphia goes to Carolina to take on the Panthers. The Panthers are giving three and a half points. And the Eagles are going to face the NFL rushing touchdown leader, RJ, and Sam Darnold. This is not a good look for Philadelphia. And Carolina might have Christian McCaffrey back. We'll see about yep. that. Make sure to watch your fantasy lineups. Um, yeah, man, I'll take Carolina. I don't know that this is like a, a domination, but I don't see it. I mean, having watched that team very closely last week, that defense is legit. And they're overall pretty legit. I mean, Matt Rule might be building something there. I'll take the Panthers and I'll take them to cover. If they win this game, like these are the type of games you win if you are building something. So I, I will. That's where I will go on this one. I don't believe in the Panthers right now. I could easily see Philly winning this game. I'm going to take the Eagles and the points. But if the Panthers win this game, I'll be like, hmm, okay, maybe I was wrong about them. Tennessee goes to Jacksonville. Normally, this would be the most boring, forgettable game of the week. But guess what? The Jaguars and Urban Meyer are a tire fire. The Jags are getting four points. I wouldn't touch the Jags if they were getting four million points, RJ. The second, the second Urban Meyer doesn't fly back with his team, he's fired to me. You, that's the guy you want developing Trevor Lawrence, you know, the prospect of prospects when it comes to quarterback? No, thank you. The ultimate bad vibes. Urban Meyer is a bad coach. Urban Meyer is a bad person. I want nothing to do with the Jags. Dude, it's honestly amazing that, like, it is so rare that the football cognoscenti agrees on something, right? Like, there's there are, like, I mean, single-digit things that, like, all football people have agreed on in the last decade. The idea of Urban Meyer being an NFL coach, being a bad one was one of them. And it is amazing that like all these people agreed on this and that it was not only right, you know, cause like anytime a, a mass amount of people believe in something, it's, it's crazy that it's right, that it was right this quickly. And you know, like it, it just, it is, it is an astounding level of incompetence from the Jaguars. I am, it's actually to the point where I am truly and honestly amazed at the level of incompetence here. I'm honestly impressed that like a, a group of functioning adults could achieve this level of incompetence this quickly by banding together. Is there ever been a guy with that's been a bigger example of do what I say, not what I do than Urban Meyer? He, you know, that picture is going around Twitter of like the signs of a bad team. And it's like, check the culture, check the selfishness, check. It's like everything that that he has been guilty of in his time with Jacksonville. He he's committed. Like he's such a fraud. And who else wanted Urban Meyer, by the way? There were a lot of head coach openings. Nobody else was knocking down his door. I think people knew. Like you were talking about the what was that word? Cognigenti? Cognoscenti. I think it's cognigenti. Cognoscenti. It might be, but um I don't yeah, you know, that's how I've read it. So fine. But I, I think a lot of people knew what they were going to get in Urban Meyer. And honestly, I don't think Urban Meyer, he's definitely not back for year two in my mind. I'm not even ruling out that he, he goes before the end of this year. Again, I mean, it's it's a shame. I really feel for Trevor Lawrence. I, I think I felt for Trevor Lawrence, and I'm not wishing the Jets upon him. 
But I felt for him <laughs> the moment that, that the Jets won last year when they beat the yep. Rams because it kind of felt like that was that was what was going to make – it kind of felt like when the Pelicans won the NBA lottery when Zion was coming out, right? Like it kind of right. felt like – like you kind of wanted to see those superstars in New York. And I know it's not New York, but I mean – so this, this has felt wonky from the start for mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence um, in general, let alone with the fact that, that Urban is now his head coach. I mean, it's, you know – it's one thing to be really bad. Like, that's not enjoyable. But it's another thing to be a joke. And and that's what the Jaguars are. That's what the Jaguars have been. And so it's just more of the same. I feel bad for our friends at Big Cat Country. Patriots going to Houston to play the Texans. The Texans are getting eight and a half points. All I want to see in this game is a bounce back from Mac Jones. You know, let's see, let's see you throw up 300 yards and three touchdowns. Like, this is the time to do it. The Texans just got blown out 40 to nothing. Let's see it, Mac. You know, qu- you know, show us a little something here. Yeah, uh, Nick Casario will enjoy uh, watching Mac Jones, a quarterback who he'll help develop certainly at some point in the future. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Patriots here. This is easy. Uh, you mentioned the Lions kind of regressing to what we thought they were going to be. The Texans are doing the same. Yeah, Chicago goes to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. The Raiders are giving five points. Justin Fields is the guy now, RJ. It's his show. We're past the stupid Andy Dalton QB1 crap. Not an easy game for Justin Fields. And I want to see if Derek Carr is is still as mad as he said he was after the Joey Bosa comments. He said they got under his skin. Let's see a little moxie, Derek. Come on now. Put it on the Bears. All right. So I will say right now that I believe the Raiders are a playoff team. I believe the Raiders are better than the perception is going to be a week from now. But I, I say that because the Bears are going to win this game. Because Ooh. because this is different than what Justin Fields has been dealing with the last two weeks. You're right. Like the you know, the, the plastic film has been peeled off. You know what I mean? The the awkwardness is out of the way. And the Raiders are kind of right for that situation, right? And then you can kind of hear John Grin like, well, we had a short week. You know, all, all the like excuses mounting. And that <laughs> that three and oh energy translating to three and two for the Raiders very quickly. And like it again, tell me it doesn't feel like destiny where like now Justin Fields is the most talked about thing in the NFL after going to Vegas and getting this big win. And and then Matt Nagy has to just sit there and and not express any emotion in his post game presser. Like <laughs> I, I don't know if it's fair or not to not give him credit for this. I, I don't believe that that any success Justin Fields. I know they talked about this this week on NFL University. I don't believe that that any Justin Fields success should be attributed to Matt Nagy at all this season. I hate to be that like cold about it, <laughs> but it's true, dude. I mean, like this was this is dumb. But to Matt Nagy's credit, he got to this realization before Kyle Shanahan at the very least. Well, that's the weird thing, right? With Fields and Lance, if they play well, like there's no way that the head coach escapes criticism. If they're bad, it's like, why couldn't you design a good game plan for this guy? If they're good, it's like, what the hell were you doing? Why did you wait so long to play this guy? So it's sort of a weird place to be in. I think Fields is going to play well, although I will point this out, and this is something that Brandon Lee Gowton and I have talked about on the Oddcast, and he's mentioned to me just off the air as well. It does seem like for some reason we never talk about Justin Fields' negative plays or bad plays. We only talk about the good plays. I agree with that. Even if it's like an incompletion, but he but he threw the ball accurately. We're like, look at this great throw. It's like, okay, yeah, he's made some great plays, but he's made some bad plays too. I think that focus is going to shift a little this week now that he's like clearly the number one guy. But I think he'll play well, but I will take the Raiders. I will give the points in this one. I think that the Raiders are a playoff team, like you said. Last up in the lightning round, and I purposely saved it for last, the New York football Giants going to Dallas to take on your Dallas Cowboys, RJ. The thing that jumped out to me, 
Cowboys are given seven. The over-under for this game is 52 and a half points. Do you, you think it's going to get that high? No, um, because I don't believe in the Giants offense, uh, to be very clear. I should, I want to mention, and I should mention, but I should mention it, that the Dallas Cowboys stats are the only team in the NFL that is undefeated against the spread this season. So if you are, you know, a little bit spooked by the seven points, I mean, just know that. And it did open at seven and a half. So if you waited, you know, patience was a virtue for you. Uh, something we do stats at Blog of the Boys every week, uh, myself along with Aiden Davis, one of our great writers, is we take a look at the Cowboys' remaining schedule through the lens of offensive EPA per play and defensive EPA per play allowed uh, to kind of see the potential advantages and disparities that the Cowboys might be facing across the rest of the season. This article will be out on Thursday at blogoftheboys.com if anybody wants to view it. And the disparity stats basically to kind of boil it down to layman's terms uh, between the Cowboys offense and an opposing defense is massive here. Uh, like, and so like uh, when Aiden compiled the data for me, uh, he actually told me in our chat, he said, I would be absolutely shocked if the Cowboys don't score at least 30 points. Uh, just because their offense is that good, the Giants' defense is that bad. And I think that the Giants' offense, while it has potential, is limited by Jason Garrett. And I think the Cowboys' defense is far more opportunistic. Trayvon Diggs is, holy crap, awesome. I mean, he's the reigning defensive player of the month. He's now the reigning defensive player of the week in the NFC. Uh, the times are good for the Cowboys. I will say, uh, watch out if you're watching football on Sunday. The story that we are going to get at nauseum is uh, Dak Prescott was hurt against the New York Giants at AT&T Stadium in the afternoon window on October 11th last year. This game is taking place in the afternoon window at AT&T Stadium on October 10th. We talked about NFL schedule makers. This was very clearly scheduled this exact way to sort of be the one-year anniversary returning to the exact scene of the crime for Dak Prescott. You mentioned the Cowboys and their ability to cover. You know That's the expression, good teams win, great teams cover, and so far Dallas has done that. I think, honestly, the Cowboys are playing for a number one seed in the NFC. That's really the only thing left for them. They are clearly going to win their division. That much is, I mean, it's obvious. Just watch the games. Their offense, they could have the best offense in the league. They can run the ball. Zeke all of a sudden looks like he's dipped his toe into the fountain of youth a little bit. He looks really good. Tony Pollard is a very good backup. Their passing game, they shred people. It is unbelievable how good they are in the passing game. I mean, I don't know how the Giants came back and won that game last week. I think the Giants stink. I think their defense is in big trouble. And to me, this game is all about what it does for the Cowboys in the NFC. You know, I think Green Bay will be there at the end of the year competing for the number one seed. Maybe Arizona, but we'll see. We've also seen the Cardinals start uh, start hot before and then trail off. So we have to see if they if they continue that. But you've talked about it on this show. The Cowboys are not exactly facing a murderer's row of great quarterbacks the rest of the way. So this is what's going to determine who gets the number one seed. It's whether the Cowboys slip up and drop games that they easily should win like this one. I just want to add very quickly, uh, when the news of Jalen Smith going to the Packers broke, I quoted it uh, on Twitter and said, Cowboys Packers at Lambeau Field in the divisional round is going to be the game of our lives. Um, <laughs> and I've talked about that before, like how it would be incredible for the Cowboys to beat Aaron Rodgers there, blah, blah. I got probably like 200 replies from Cowboys fans. I, I wow. said it like partly in jest. But every single one of them was like, that game will be at AT&T Stadium. That game's going to be in Arlington. How dare you? You don't even believe in this team. You've got, why would it be at Lambeau Field? You really think the Packers are going to have a better seat? Like, it was like, dude, it was just a joke. It was, it was just like a thing. So just, everyone just chill out, you know? That's all. Just be cool. That's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. Again, if you haven't done so, please rate, review, 
follow. I said it at the top of the show. Your ratings and reviews really do help us. Even if you're already subscribed, we greatly appreciate that. Thank you. But please, if you could do one more thing for us, get Bear off our case. You can hear RJ's dog barking in the background. Leave us a rating and a review. If you leave us a review, we promise you we will read it on the show. RJ, before we go, what is your go-to game food this week? Ooh, we're starting to get into fall. It's starting to feel really nice outside. Uh, it's starting to get if you say pumpkin anything, we can't do the show together pumpkin anymore. Pumpkin sucks. Even pumpkin beer, yes! pumpkin pie, it's stupid. I don't yes! pumpkin spice. It's all gross to me. Um, I will say, I, I was going to say chili, but that's that's a little bit of a cheat. Like every, Everybody's like, that's the, everyone's go-to answer. Um, you know, I love the grill. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes I like to throw a slab of ribs in the oven. Like I was going to say ribs. ribs. Like, but baked ribs, dude. Because, like, and generally this is better when it is cooler outside and you want the oven on to kind of warm the house up. You know what I mean? Uh, but I love to kind of just pack it tight in a nice, like, foil little cocoon. You know what I mean? And just <laughs> just, just let it, let everything fall off that bone. So uh, a nice slab of baked ribs. But I will say the hardest uh, game uh, timing for us in our line of work to time dinner for is the afternoon window when the Cowboys play. So I won't be eating that this particular weekend. Well, I, I might have to go with ribs myself. That was literally the exact same thing I was going to say. Throw them in the oven. Because part of it, too, is like I can't be in front of the stove. I got to watch the games, you know? This way here, you season the ribs ahead of time. You can cook them all day long. You throw them in the oven. You don't even have to worry You want to do it. crock pot, too? I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Anything like that, you could just sit and let it be good call too so enjoy the games everybody that's going to do it for us we will talk to you next week peace